Welcome to the first season of Average Joe's Rawcast. My name is Joe Fuentes. I'm a husband, a father of two teenagers, a 17-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. Also a father of four pets, two dogs and two cats. I've been a nursing home administrator since 2001. I am a co-owner of Chill Pots, a paint-your-own pottery studio. A very cool place that my run my wife runs on a daily basis. So welcome to my podcast and here we go. Okay, so welcome welcome back to my fourth podcast. Had fun doing the first three, so I thought I'd come back for a fourth. And uh, last time I started out with uh update on the Colorado fire, so I think that's where I'll start now. So the Cameron Peak Fire, which is the fire over by Fort Collins, it's 50 miles west of Fort Collins, that has blown up. It's 102,000 acres right now been burned. Last time, I believe it was 34,000 acres I had reported on. It was 6% contained last uh, Monday. Now it is only 4% contained, so we're going in the opposite direction with that. I did go for a motorcycle ride on, what was it? Yeah, it was Saturday. I went for a motorcycle ride and I went up by Horsetooth and, you know, it's up there by uh, Fort Collins and I went uh, through Horsetooth and I went through uh, Masonville and that area in there and it wasn't overly smoky. I was kind of surprised. There was still a little haze to the mountains, but not overly smoky. Uh, Boy, if you've been up to Horsetooth, uh, reservoir you can see that water is really down I they must be using that water to fight this fire because on the south side of that reservoir it is I mean there's no water there on the complete south side and uh, I guess that snow that I thought might help this last little snowstorm didn't help as much since uh, you know it's only four percent contained compared to where it was six six percent contained Uh, So we will continue to watch that fire and hope for the best on that. I know one report I was looking at said that it's possible that this fire might not be out till October 31st when there is a few uh, snowstorms, a little bit more moisture. And so got a while to go on that fire. The second fire is the Pine Gulch fire, which is 18 miles north of Grand Junction. And... uh, this that fire started on July 31st and it's at 139,000 acres burnt and last week it was 87% contained and now it's 95% contained so that's really good um, going the right direction on the Pine Gulch fire and the cause of that fire is lightning they determine so um, nothing to do with uh, man or anything else it is lightning So hopefully that gets contained completely in the next week or so. And then the uh, the next fire is the Grizzly Creek Fire, and that's in the Glenwood Canyon. And that's uh, burn over 32,000 acres. And that one is human-caused, and that one started on August 10th. And uh, last week it was 82% contained, and now it's 91% contained. So going the right direction on the Grizzly Creek fire in Glenwood, and hopefully that one will get put out. And then lastly is the William Fork fire by Frazier. And that's uh, 
burn over 12,000 acres. It is 10% uh, contained right now and it's human caused. And that one started on August 4th. So we will keep an eye on the William Fork fire too. Um, hasn't burned a whole lot of acres compared to the other ones yet, but um, we know how that goes. So uh, our thoughts and prayers again for the firemen and everybody that's in the path of these fires. Um, I have a couple of family members in Kansas that kind of like these updates because uh, they're not out here and get the news like we do in Colorado on these fires. So uh, continue to look at the uh, fires and keep you updated. Okay, so the latest on the testing for the COVID-19 at the nursing home that I work at. We have tested staff now and residents three times. Um, this time, all staff and all residents came back negative. So that was a relief. So what we will do now is we chatted with the county and we are going to start testing monthly. And that test is just gonna be for staff. We will only test residents if they're symptomatic, but staff will have to be tested uh, monthly. And if you remember, that is because of, you go by the numbers on how many cases are in your county. So we're in Weld County and uh, we are under the uh, 5%. So we will not have to, uh, tests but monthly so that is good news for us so we still haven't had uh, an infection control survey that I thought we would because if you remember one staff member or one resident who tests positive for COVID-19 of course that is an outbreak according to CMS Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services um, so we anticipated an infection control survey and we still have not got one i mean fingers crossed it could be this week that we get one hopefully not but also cms too i had mentioned in the past is opening up annual surveys now and i've brought up how annual surveys how everybody dreads those and they look at so many things and you know this time the infection control is going to be a huge part of this annual survey. So they have been way behind because they did put a halt to all annual surveys or the only time they would come in during the COVID pandemic was when, if there was an abuse allegation or uh, some serious thing that they thought could cause, um, you know, actual harm or death to a resident. So they've been holding off on those, but they are gearing back up. And we were on a call a couple of weeks ago with, uh, the state of Colorado, and they said they were getting ready, getting their list ready on which uh, nursing homes are going to be first. So hopefully we get pushed down the line because, uh, you know, it's always nice to have time to prepare for those kind of things. But uh, we shall see. And, you know, a lot of times it's uh, what surveyors you get. If you get the right surveyors and, uh, you know, they look at the correct things, the things that you're up on, then you have a pretty good uh, survey outcome, but sometimes they can get ugly. So we will continue to prepare for that, um, keep you updated on our testing and how that's going. But yeah, so it's, it's going to be uh, not ending anytime soon. 
So this is going to be a continual thing. So we are continuing to adjust to this and just trying to get back to uh, as normal as we can. Hopefully we can get families to visit again since we had all negatives. Uh, of course, those are outdoor visits. Those aren't indoor visits. If they're indoor visits, uh, Governor Polis in his office, they said that, like, let's say a lady comes in to visit her husband from the outside. She has to have a test, a COVID test that says she is negative for COVID within uh, the last 48 hours, I believe it is. They had it 24 hours, but I believe they changed that to 48 hours. So um, that's going to be a real pain in the butt for a lot of family members to come in and visit their relatives when you have to have that kind of a test every time, you know. Be plus, they're more than six feet apart. They're outside. They're wearing masks uh, now, so we don't have to do that. We don't have to have them test. So I think we will continue to uh, have them meet outdoors. When that when the colder weather comes about, I talked to my maintenance man, and I think we'll get some kind of a heater out there, uh, or a couple of heaters, and you know, still um, maybe put some plastic around it or something. Something I don't know. We'll try to figure it out, but. We'll try to make it where it's more comfortable for them, but where they don't have to do all that testing every time that they come visit their loved one. So keep you updated on that, and we'll see how it goes. So in the news. So in the news is basically the same old crap. I mean, don't you guys get tired of it's the same thing over and over and over. Now the big headline is... Uh, Trump's lying. Politicians lie. Oh, wow. What a headline. We never knew that. And it's pretty interesting because I saw uh, a compilation of videos that had what Trump lied about and what Biden lied about. And they just went down the line. And I got to thinking to myself, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, don't all presidents have lies and half truths? And I mean, Clinton, pretty sure he lied. He never had sex with that lady. Uh, the Bushes, they lied. Obama, yeah, he didn't tell the truth all the time. I mean, they all lie. I think you have to uh, have that on your resume to be a politician, is the ability to lie and twist the truth. And, you know, I mean, their main thing is to get reelected. So they tell half-truths and lies to get elected and... Um, they're going to tell their constituents whatever they want to hear a lot of times. And so I didn't think that was a whole lot of news. Uh, Trump and Biden, I'm curious to see if they're going to debate or not. A lot of people are saying that they're not going to debate, that they don't think Biden's in the shape to debate. And so that'll be very interesting. I might actually tune into that debate. I usually skip them because I think they're pretty boring and you pretty much know what they're going to say, but I think that one's going to be pretty interesting if they do it. So I'm hoping they do. Um, yeah, Biden, that, eh, that guy might get murdered during that debate by Trump. I mean, Trump, you know, he's a talker and Biden, he acts like a deer in the headlights whenever he's in an interview. He can't even read from a teleprompter a lot of times. I mean, it's kind of sad to see this guy deteriorate like that. And with the stress of the presidency, I don't think that's going to get any better. So um, come on, 
We want to see a debate. So also in the news um, in the last few days is another September 11th. And uh, I think, what is it, 19, yeah, 2001, September 11th, 2001. So it'd be, what, 19 years is how long ago that was. My goodness, how time flies. Can't believe it's been that long. So, I mean, I remember being really numb for a couple of days after that and just feeling like so violated and couldn't believe that our country got hit like that. And uh, what was there around, I think there was around 3,000 deaths, probably something like that. And, uh, you know, that's not even counting the countless long-term um, effects with a lot of the lung cancers you hear about and different things like that that were lasting effects from, you know, that from the smoke and all the debris and everything those people had to breathe in. So, I mean, just crazy. What a tragedy. So I was like thinking, let me see, where was I? Do I remember where I was when uh, that happened, when 9-11 did happen and what I was doing? Absolutely, I do. I would, I'll never forget this. And I'm sure a lot of you don't, you know, you remember where you were too. You're always hearing like, uh, where were you when Kennedy was assassinated? Well, I was, wasn't born yet, but, you know, those big events like that. Where were you uh, during 911? And so I remember I was in Goodland, Kansas, actually. And I was uh, just had been licensed in 2001 as a nursing home administrator. So this was my first job as a nursing home administrator at Good Samaritan Society. It was the uh, Good Samaritan Society in Goodland. And uh, it was a six, yeah, 60 bed facility. And uh, you may, if you know anything about the Good Samaritan Society, they're a Lutheran uh, religious-based organization. Really good. I really liked working for them. They're a really good organization. Uh, the big thing that I got out of uh, Good Samaritan for was you were kind of like a minister. They would pretty much send you where uh, they needed you. So you could end up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you could end up in North Dakota. You could end up in liberal Kansas. I mean, you can end up in Goodland, Kansas. Anywhere they wanted to send you, that's where you pretty much went. So I kind of wanted to choose my own destiny, my own town a little bit more. So I did move on from that company. But uh, I have a lot of good memories from uh, the time I did work for Good Samaritan. It is a really good uh, Christian-based company. Uh, also, I remember... Oh, I remember a resident at that Goodland Good Samaritan. His name was Jake. I mean, this guy, he, he was in a wheelchair. He was a skinny little guy. He was about five foot six, probably, I'd say probably 130 pounds soaking wet. And he was the uh, honoriest guy. Uh, I mean, he cruised everywhere around with that wheelchair and he was, it seems like he was into everything and he was always there <laughs> whenever you turned around. And, uh, he was probably well into his eighties, I would guess. And he had been a farmer and a rancher, if I remember right. Yeah, I, I knew, I think he did ranching also. 
And uh, so he was pretty independent guy. He liked to do things his own way. You know, he's used to working for himself and doing things on his own time frame. And uh, he had a difficult time adjusting to uh, communal living in a nursing home, as you can imagine, when you're used to kind of doing things your own way and telling people uh, how you feel. And he did have dementia. Um, it was it was getting up there to the severe dementia part. He was getting more confused and stuff. But, uh, man, this guy, he had a lot of personality. If I, I remember uh, he had this saying that I, I'd never forget. I even told my kids this. Uh, even 19 years later, I remember his saying. Uh, I still think of it, and it cracks me up every time I do. He would always ask staff when the next meal was, and this guy was always hungry. Even if he had just ate, like 10 minutes later, he would ask the staff when the next meal was. And they would tell him, you know, in an hour or whatever the situation was. And uh, they said, you know, Jake, would you like a snack before your meal? We can always get you a snack. And Jake would say, it better be a big one. I'm so goddamn hungry I could eat a skunk, unsalted. I mean, that killed me. Eat a skunk, unsalted. I had never heard that. And I think I busted out laughing the first time he said that. And this Jake, I mean, he's one of those characters. All the staff loved him, even though he was a pain in the butt and he was ornery as crap. He also insisted, I remember, on always sitting in this wheelchair in this certain door and of course, this door led out to the smoking area. Also, there was vending machines out there and the soda machine. So you can imagine the traffic that went in and out of that with staff going out there smoking and getting um, snacks and sodas and all that kind of thing. And so uh, that door, like I said, was used quite often. And he would always sit by it and, you know, and western kansas in the fall and the winter it does get pretty cold so when the staff would open the door this jake would always say good lord shut that goddamn door obviously you don't pay the heat don't you have any sense and i mean this was a continual daily thing because like i said he had memory problems so he would always say this every time but um so you're asking, well, why, why'd you set him by the door? Why'd you have him by the door? I mean, me, the staff, the director of nursing, everybody, we'd always ask him, you know, we'd say, Jake, why don't you set another location where it's warmer? And in classic Jake form, I remember that little guy, he would say, I don't tell you where to sit. So mind your goddamn business and don't tell me where to sit. I mean, this guy did not take shit off of anybody. And I loved it. And I do remember at a care conference um, asking his wife, I said, I asked his wife, I said, you know, I kind of told her a few of those stories. And I said, this Jake, he, you know, he's uh, pretty kind of interesting, kind of some of the things he says to the staff and myself. And I remember his wife saying, uh, you know what, that has nothing to do with his dementia. He has always been like that. <laughs> so, so, you know what, when I get in the nursing home, I'm probably going to be a character just like that too. So uh, now I thought that was a little reminiscent, little funny story about residents. I mean, I have a thousand of those actually from the nursing homes I've been in and just the 
numerous residents I've come across in 19 years. So uh, my wife always tells me I should write a book about those experiences. And I told her I also should write a book on some of the excuses that staff has given me over the years and why they've called in or some of the stuff they've shared with me that, ooh, they probably shouldn't have. But, you know, that's when you're in the administrator position, a lot of times you get that. So, um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I probably will work on a book and we'll see how that goes. Well, sorry. Anyway, back to uh, 911 and where I was when this horrific event happened. I remember I was getting ready for work. Like I said, I was in Goodland, Kansas. I was getting ready for work. We had a little rental uh, that we stayed in. It was a little house about two blocks from the facility. So I always walked to work. It was kind of convenient. And uh, my wife, she was a secretary for a mental health office there in town. And, uh, you know, we were married just a couple of years at that point. And uh, she was getting ready or watching TV in the other room. And I remember her just saying, wow, a plane just hit the World Trade Center in New York City. And I, you know, came out of the bathroom and I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's crazy. So my first thoughts went to uh, the pilot, you know, could have had a heart attack, a stroke. I mean, something happened where, you know, he lost control and, you know, he just, those poor people hit that building. I mean, who could imagine anything else? And then all of a sudden, a few minutes later, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. She said, oh my God, another plane hit another building. This is so bizarre. But uh, I said to her that, you know what? That's no accident. That's terrorism. And so I just had a chill go through my body. I remember that day and I was like, holy cow, you know, what, what the heck? But then here's the weird part. I said, I bet it was Osama bin Laden. And my wife said, who? And what is odd is the only reason I knew that name is I just happened to read a Reader's Digest article about Osama bin Laden and his uh, family. And you remember Reader's Digest, you know, before we read everything on the internet? <laughs> I actually, I think my in-laws bought me like a 10-year uh, supply of Reader's Digest I would get every, is it every two weeks or every month or whatever? But they're actually pretty interesting. And with my attention span, you know, the Reader's Digest were pretty nice for me. But anyway, so uh, what was odd is that Reader's Digest article, like I said, covered bin Laden and his dad. And his dad, if you remember, was a big construction magnet. Um, so they had, I mean, they were multi-millionaires. I, I don't know if they were quite billionaires, but they had millions and millions to play with. And they used that money. Well, bin Laden, Osama bin Laden used that money to finance terrorism and um, this article, I remember, you know, going through all that and saying the U.S. and other Western nations better watch out because, uh, you know, you better be vigilant on this stuff because these guys are coming for you. They hate America and they hate the West. They hate our values. They hate our religions. So, uh, you know, uh, that kind of stuck in my mind. And the minute I heard that, 
that name just flashed in my mind and I told my wife that had to be Osama bin Laden. But uh, also, you know, it's funny because you read an article like that and you're like, you know what? There is no way that anybody is going to attack the U.S. on our soil. And, you know, I was probably a little arrogant, a little naive thinking that, thinking we were such a powerful nation that nobody would have the balls to come and try to attack us here on our own soil. But boy, little did I know. And uh, so that was my little reminiscent of uh, reminiscing on my uh, where I was on 9-11. And just just stop and think about it. How many rights did we lose after 9-11? How did our lives change? I mean, go to an airport pre-9-11 and then post-9-11, and that'll tell you a lot about everything you need to know. I mean, we slowly lost our rights. Just like another tragedy, can you think of that one? You know, uh, COVID-19. I mean, more of our rights are getting taken away. So here's, here's what I'm asking myself in the last couple of days. What, what next tragedy is coming? So is every big tragic event, are we just going to continuously lose our resident, our, sorry, our rights till we live in a country where we no longer recognize it? That's a scary thing for me. And you know what? I I think the only way that we stop this stripping of rights every time something happens is that we band together as a people and we just say, hell no, we're we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to live in fear. We're not going to have you strip our rights. We're not going to wear masks till we die. You know, I'm not going to stay six feet away from people that I love and people that I care about. And I mean, if you remember 911, that the country did come together on 9-11. They, uh, you know, everybody was united, it seemed like. We all had a common cause to save our nation and not get attacked again. And what was the mantra that they were always saying? It was, um, oh, we will never forget. That's what it was. We will never forget. I wonder if that is still true. It seems like our country is very divided right now. It seems like we did forget. I mean, at least that's how it looks to me. I mean, you have the, you know, the hard right and you have the hard left. And it seems like those people are making a lot of decisions and stirring up a lot of things. And you know what? I also was thinking, it seems to me like the majority of people do they really want true freedom? Because most people just want to be taken care of, it seems to me, anymore. I mean, if people have plenty of food, you know, McDonald's, Burger King, it's pretty cheap if you stop and think about it. I mean, shit, you can get two Whoppers for, what, five bucks? You can get always deals at Taco Bell and all that kind of stuff. So cheap, or food is relatively cheap. So people have plenty to eat and every, it seems like everybody has a big screen and gets bigger screens. So are they just content with that? Are we just content with that? Are we just content with getting taken care of? 
because you know what? True freedom does require people taking personal responsibility and sacrifices at times to stand up for your rights. I guess Bob Marley was right. You got to stand up for your rights. So um, really it has, don't, don't you think freedom has to be a value for people? It just doesn't come natural. Yeah, everybody says, I want to be free. But do they truly, are they willing to do the sacrifice? Is that truly a value of people's? Because I see a lot of people that are content just to be taken care of by their government. They think their government's the answer to everything. They're kind of afraid to go out on their own. They're afraid to uh, take some chances and make a living on their own. You know, move if they have to, if they're not comfortable with where they're living not agreeing with their values and stuff. Um, so I guess it does um, stem to, do we want to sit in front of the big screen and watch our lives go by? Because if we do want to sit in front of the big screens and watch our lives go by, honestly, we will get what we get then. And when this country slips out of uh, what we know it to be right now, um, then who do we have to blame but ourselves? Okay, so I'm going to end this podcast with everybody's favorite segment, Hispanic Word of the Day. So this week I wrote a couple of Colorado, some local Colorado Hispanic Words of the Day. So a little local flair for everybody. So the first word is, for people from Colorado will know this, others I'll explain, it is Pooter. So we have a river called the Pooter River, P-O-U-D-R-E, Pooter River. So the Hispanic word of the day is Pooter. My wife wanted to wrestle, so I Pooter in a headlock. So the second Colorado flair, local flair of the Hispanic word of the day is horse tooth and i spoke to that earlier that i said i went for a motorcycle ride to horse tooth it's a reservoir up by fort collins so horse tooth my girlfriend caught me in bed and punched the hooker in the mouth now i don't know what to do with horse tooth all right well thank you everybody it was fun again this week uh Look forward to doing this again. I'm going to go smoke me a cigar and relax tonight. So you all have a good week. Bye.